Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and getting excerpts about the exceptional. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. How's it, everyone? Welcome back to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. Today's podcast is endorsed by IAB South Africa. The way we buy and sell media has changed. Programmatic buying has graduated from being an experimental technology to becoming a must-have for both media buyers and advertisers. Marketing is most effective when you achieved the three R's, the right message to the right person at the right time. But doing that at scale in real time can be challenging. Programmatic buying is changing that by delivering higher levels of targeting, relevance, efficiency and impact. As buyers and sellers of advertising grow their investment in this technology, programmatic is set to transform marketing. Today we will dabble into this topic with Ryan Oberlin, where we explore the untapped opportunities programmatic has to offer. Please be advised the conversation does get very technical. Feel free to reach out after the podcast with any questions you may have. Our guest today is Ryan Eberlin, Media24 Programmatic Specialist. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Audrey. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're joining us all the way from Cape Town. Yeah, all the way through the interwebs. I would like to be there in person, but yeah, it's a bit of a long drive. So (laughs) I think, um, yeah, we'll just do it over Zoom. Okay, thank you. Um, so, Ryan, before we start, uh, we ask all our guests to tell us a bit about yourself. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, 30 years old, based in Cape Town. I'm a digital marketing specialist uh, for Media24. I have um, eight years of digital experience, uh, mostly uh, predominantly in ad operations roles, uh, managing ad technology stacks, um, but also um, both publisher and agency side. So I've done a lot of the uh, programmatic media buying and selling, client communication and strategy and that kind of thing, and primarily working in ad operations uh, type of roles at the moment. Uh, personal interests, um, yeah, I'm into like music and film and uh, travel when it's when it's possible, uh, like a good uh, walk on the beach and a glass of red wine now and then. And that's pretty much me. Yeah, fantastic. I could do with the beach right now. <laughs> Not in this weather. It's freezing today. You you guys did send the cold up to Johannesburg. <laughs> Yeah, it's in some crazy times. Yeah, so um, so Ryan, the topic at hand is all about programmatic buying. Um, I don't think um, myself included know a lot about um, taking a full um, advantage over what the the tech stack has to offer us as advertisers. So I think it's great that you're on the show to probably educate us and tell us more about. What's going on in programmatic currently in South Africa? I mean, a couple of years ago, there was a huge, um, you know, need for people to get on board with programmatic and it was such a hot topic. Yeah, I think it's kind of moved from from a bit of a buzzword to to something that's more of like a mainstay now with with, uh, media buying. And so we've seen quite an evolution with programmatic over the last few years uh, from, you know, initially it was more about uh, bulk buying of cheap inventory uh, to now a much more data savvy and sophisticated uh, type of approach which incorporates you know lots of different data points and actually really informs uh, the media buying in a, in a very special way um, and it's very like specialized these days uh, 
So I think it's really evolved with a lot more brands getting more intimately involved uh, with the technology that runs it. Okay, and what were some of the challenges in terms of programmatic um, over the years? Um, yeah, so I think the biggest challenges has mostly been around, I guess, educating the different stakeholders about, you know, what's possible within the technology and how everything works. Um, and then actually just using data um, creatively to inform decision making. So some of the challenges we face now is, is really more about sort of legacy structures um, on, on both sides of the transaction, whether it's uh, seller or buyer side. Um, so it's, it's kind of just like getting rid of old bad habits and uh, embracing new changes and, and the different evolutions that we've seen in, in the technology that's becoming much more um, transparent, uh, whereas before it was pretty much within like a black box type of environment. Yeah, I was going to say that there is a perception that programmatic is a black box. And, um, yeah. and you know, so for me, it's like what's in the box? Yeah, so I think that black box perception, again, comes back to that lack of, of I guess, skills and education in the market. Um, so previously, I know agencies were very much the gatekeepers of these programmatic technologies. And if you wanted to run something programmatic, you had to go through like a specialist or some kind of specialist group of uh, or trading desk or something. Whereas nowadays, it's much more accessible and, you know, the, the knowledge is, is very much available uh, if you're reading up on the stuff to actually get involved and it's quite easy to access. Um, so I think with brands getting more closely involved with these technologies, with the platforms themselves, and actually taking ownership of that data, it's, it's really shined a lot of light uh, on some of the, the uh, I guess, mystery around programmatic. And, and that's forced sort of like a, a shift in transparency and accountability and quality. So that's kind of where we're moving to at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned quality. So take us through what are some of the advanced buys on programmatic that brands can consider? Um, so advanced, I guess it really comes down to um, the type of data that you have um, access to. So a lot of brands sit on really strong uh, like CRM data, there's a lot of offline data, but quite a bit of still siloed approaches, so various different platforms not really speaking to each other. So when we're talking about uh, programmatic with advanced buys, what we're talking about is really pulling that data points into one centralized place and consolidating your media to inform things like your creative optimization, the sequence of your messaging, uh, the ability to target and retarget uh, users and, and really take them down a, a communication strategy rather than just you know blasting out ads, which is, I guess, more of the, the old-fashioned way of using programmatic. So, Ryan, I mean, we spoke about um, the three different um, PMP deals, which mm. is Private Marketplace. Uh, can you maybe take us through what is Private Marketplace? Sure. So, um, in programmatic, there's essentially two different ways that you can transact through the platform. The one is the open marketplace, which is essentially everybody's inventory all together, and then an algorithm will inform where you're actually placing your bids to buy that inventory. Um, but with that, obviously, there's a lot of risks because there isn't a hell of a lot of transparency when it comes to, you know, open marketplace buying. It's kind of like targeting everything at once and then just kind of hoping for the best. Whereas uh, a private marketplace is sort of a one-to-one -one relationship between a buyer and a seller or between a seller and a group of buyers in some cases. And uh, that direct relationship is um, basically powered by transparency and by having a quality focus rather than, you know, just like a mass reach sort of uh, bulk approach. So private marketplace is, is very much specialized and very niche. Okay. And within private marketplace, there's three different um, types of deals. 
Yes, yes. So um, the three types of deals that we deal with in, in programmatic private marketplaces, the first one is, is private auctions. So essentially, this is still an auction that you're competing with other buyers. It's an invitation only type of approach. And then you still have to um, bid and try and win those impressions. And there is a lot of risk involved with that because obviously, you now don't know exactly how much you're going to end up paying for those impressions and if it's even worth that price and value. So I don't think it's very popular in South Africa, the, the private auction approach. Um, so we see a lot more um, a, a lot more buyers opting for what's called preferred deals or non-guaranteed deals. So this is a, a one-to-one deal with one buyer and one seller at a fixed negotiated rate. And then what the seller will do is they'll actually filter that deal to be um, exactly to the requirements of what the buyer is looking to run against. So if it's you know high viewability or if it's a certain audience or a certain platform, then the seller will refine that and make it uh, available as sort of like an open pipe. And then it's paid at a sort of like a fixed rate. But the things to remember about non-guaranteed is um, because you're not actually reserving those impressions, if the seller has um, a, re- a reservation buyer, so somebody who's actually booked out that uh, impressions, then they won't get that, um, they won't get their chance to serve the ad. And then the third type is programmatic guaranteed. So this is essentially um, like the old insertion order um, booked media way of buying. Um, but instead of using like an IO with the signed deal and paperwork and all of that, you have everything done through the programmatic channels. So then you actually book out and reserve those impressions over the time period. So implication for an advertiser, what, what costs are we looking at? Um, so there are some tech fees involved um, with you know running any programmatic buyers. Um, but the benefits of the performance um, should actually outweigh those tech fees. Um, and then with regards to price differences, usually in the open auction, because you're buying from everything all at once and you're, you're doing it on an auction basis, you're kind of buying the leftovers uh, of what wasn't sold. Um, whereas with preferred deals and programmatic guaranteed, there is a, a slightly higher price point, but then you're paying for the, the quality of what you're getting back in return. So it's a much higher, more premium type of buyer. Okay. Um, so... I mean, why should advertisers shift their budgets from open exchanges to private deals? Um, so I think both both of those strategies do have a place in the mix. I just think that with open marketplace, it's it's quite a risky buy because there's lots of uh, negative connotations that go with that and a lot of uh, brand safety issues that go with buying in, a, in an open marketplace. And you have to do quite a bit of filtering uh, to make sure that what you're getting is actually suitable for the brand. So we see a lot of things like, um, you know, like click fraud and bot traffic, very low viewability, uh, fake sites, there's like harmful content out there. So it's a lot of um, very risky things that comes with an open marketplace. Whereas with a private marketplace, the buyer is assured of that quality and the high viewability that they're actually serving to real people within a brand safe environment. And they avoid things that could have a negative impact on the brand's image. You mentioned brand safety a lot. What tools do you have in place to to make sure that um, you know your brand is protected in these environments? So there are various tools you can use in the programmatic environments. Uh, there's things like Moats and IAS and Double Verify, which all sort of act as a filter um, to try and sort of um, scan traffic before you're actually placing your your order. But from a publisher side, um, it's it's very good to work with publishers who actually you know publish their own content um, because often they will have um, data points that are fed straight into the system which they can yet then use to exclude harmful topics or unfavorable content or you know non-viewable ad units and things like that 
So the publisher has quite a bit of control in that regard and actually filtering that out before the impression even goes onto the exchange. I think, you know, uh, part of what you said is, is very scary for me because uh, we spent the last couple of years as advertisers putting our money in programmatic um, and these were on open auctions. Um, yeah. Only to be told that uh, it was risky buys, cheap inventory, um, you know, run of site. I mean, how do you then justify this? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much one of the biggest arguments for why private marketplaces are so prominent um, and, and growing in popularity, especially, um, you know, considering that there's a lot of transparency issues. And as you mentioned, you know, like you've put a bunch of money into this thing and now you find out later that actually, you know, it's not very favorable inventory. Um, so those are real risks involved with open auction. And there are ways to mitigate that. But with a private marketplace, there's pretty much none of that going on because you have a very good relationship uh, with the publisher. You know exactly where your ad spend is going, you know exactly what the environments are and, and what you're getting in the end of the day. So it's a much safer way of transacting. From a Media24 perspective, what percentage of these deals are happening? Uh, with PMP deals? Yes. So there's quite a quite a large portion of PMP deals. We've seen growth um, year on year. Uh, I think there was a spike in 2018 and then a further spike in 2019. And it just keeps growing and growing because I think because it's more accessible now and more brands are aware of this and have access to it. And also they're, they're opting for media consolidation to run everything from one place in one buying platform. Um, so that's now spiking the demand uh, within private marketplaces, um, kind of like the same as how you would see I.O. deals, but the, the spend is kind of shifting just through a technology platform. It's still the same kind of one-to-one -one relationship, and you can work really closely with, with, your, you know, with your buyers, and it's definitely growing and growing. So that role in terms of media agency being a facilitator, do you ever see brand getting involved in these deals? Yeah, very much so. That's actually one of the things that's really, really growing, especially in South Africa, is um, brands want to be very close to the technology, very close to the ownership of the data. Um, so previously, a lot of that ownership was sitting with the agencies, and the agencies would own all that audiences and all the data and the platforms that go with that. Um, but now we're seeing the brands actually having their own stake in this and, and having their own seat at the table, if you will. Um, so because of that, we're now actually working much closer uh, in collaboration with brands and agencies all in the same room instead of it being sort of a disconnected siloed relationship and that's actually one of the challenges that still exist is these um, old uh, structures within agencies where you know it's very separate um, where the buyer and well, the strategist and the trader are not necessarily in the same room and the publisher kind of will get the brief last minute so those kind of practices are sort of things that need to be reformed and changed to a more collaborative approach where the brand is actually involved directly. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So uh, take us through a scenario. Do you get a brief from a media agency? Um, yeah, so look, the media agencies still um, are holding the relationships with publishers very much. Uh, we do have some, I guess, brand direct relationships um, that I've seen, um, but it is very much collaborative. So it's not really like one party will own that relationship. It's very much um, like a mutual kind of approach um, because also with a lot of um, big publishers, they have uh, relationships with brands through other means, not just through paid media. So there are those existing foundations in place and there is that level of trust. 
And that's something that the, the media agencies can actually play to as a strength um, because there is all that, that trust already involved and it's easier to get things done that way. Yeah, I think if you speak from a Media24 perspective, obviously there is a level of trust due to the fact that you guys are quite um, uh, such a huge publisher in the industry. So, so building yeah, those definitely. relationships, um, you know, is key. Yeah, definitely. That's that's one of the things we value the most is is the the strength of our relationships and obviously the trust in that regard. But that goes for pretty much any um, publisher. I think it's all, all about building trust and credibility. Yes, for sure. Um, you mentioned ownership of the data. So who has ownership of the data once you run a campaign? Um, so it, like that really depends on the type of data you're talking about. Um, whether it's campaign data, um, that usually sits with the agency as well as with the brand. When it's things like customer data, that would sit exclusively with the brand and they would sort of, uh, not license, but they would allow that, uh, they would facilitate that data to be used by an agency and, and their respective platforms. And then that would get um, sort of overlaid on top of a deal uh, targeted to a publisher. So there is opportunity for a brand to use their first party data um, and via custom audience process and overlay it with the publisher data. That's correct. Yeah. So there's different, uh, I guess, different types of data in that in that equation. There's the first party data with the brand itself, which could be CRM or, or customer data or e email databases or things like that, where you've actually identified an existing customer. Then there's uh, the agency's uh, buying tools, which would have access to public uh, DMP data or Google data in most cases. And then there's the uh, publisher side, which is um, you know niche audiences that a publisher has built because they also understand their readers very well based on you know behavioral and disclosed data and survey data and all that kind of things. So you can actually marry those up really nicely and, and get a very, very personalized, uh, good experience uh, for the user rather than just you know spamming out ads that you don't really know if the person's interested in. So take us through that process of creative. Do you use uh, dynamic creative? Um, so that's something that's usually done uh, more on the agency or the brand side where they have an actual, um, you know, an API link to, let's say, like a product database or e-commerce or something. And you can do things like uh, dynamic remarketing based on, you know, the types of products that that person has expressed an interest in. And then it would just be a tag basis where you would load that in the, the buying platform and then it would run against a private deal. Okay. And um, so, Ryan, in terms of... Um the impact of um, removal of third-party cookies in the near future, how does that impact your world? So I think from a publisher perspective, it's not a, um, I wouldn't say it's not a massive impact, it's obviously a massive impact for everyone, but I think um, a lot of publishers have the ability to create these sort of walled gardens and identifiers that don't really require necessarily a cookie basis. So you could have things like logged in users which you can, you know, still get um, uh, consensual data from as well, uh, rather than trying to just sort of tag them with third-party cookies. But I think um, from an advertiser's perspective, there definitely needs to be a lot of rethinking about, you know, how how you actually find those users on the larger web, and um, I guess having those closer collaborations with these walled gardens uh, to be able to know where your users are and how to find them and retarget them. Um, so I think it's definitely moving towards a more, it's more difficult, but it's also more uh, consensual for the user as well. So I think that's kind of uh, 
going to be quite a balancing act that the industry is going to have to figure out a way to, to solve for. So in terms of um, these PMP deals or preferred deal or programmatic guaranteed, how are publishers using permission-based marketing? Um, so yeah, with, with permission-based marketing, essentially you would have a, a message pop up where a user would consent to allow tracking um, and, and for certain you know data points to be shared. And I think that's still in very early stages, especially in South Africa, but I do think we will move more towards that kind of a GDPR approach, maybe not as enforced as what the European uh, markets have been doing, um, but definitely a more consensual approach is, is much better for the user because there's more transparency on what they're allowing. Um, so yeah, I think there will definitely be more of a move towards that. And we've seen things already like, um, you know, the, the privacy and consent framework uh, that's been deployed now, uh, so it, it's, you know, it is something that's top of mind for a lot of publishers. And I think, you know, when the time is right, we, we will have these things put in place. You mentioned war gardens. I mean, bigger publishers are going to become war gardens as well. Does this not open up price wars? Um, I'm actually not sure of that, to be honest. Um, I mean, I would imagine that it would be business as usual for a lot of publishers. Um, but I think for buyers, it might have more of an impact um, so I think getting those relationships going with, you know, sellers earlier on will, will benefit buyers in the long run, you know, having those existing uh, collaborations with, with buyers and sellers. What happens to the smaller publishers that haven't actually prepared for this? Um, sure. I mean, the outlook is, is, is not too great. Uh, obviously, with personalized advertising making up a huge part of, of programmatic, I think, um, it's quite bleak for a lot of smaller publishers. So I would say the sooner you know you prepare for you know cookieless world and consent-based management, uh, the better it's the outcome is going to be. So is there room for consolidation in your industry? Um, yeah, I think there is. There's definitely room for for consolidation. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of partnerships with with different publishing groups uh, to try and sort of make use of um, more modern frameworks and, and sort of you know not miss out on potential revenue opportunities and still be able to maintain those relationships between buyer and seller. So the other question I have, and this is maybe broader than um, your PMP deals, is around programmatic. Um, and, and I often find programmatic um, almost operating in a silo mode. Um, mm. How do you actually bring in the, the consumer journey into the mix? So if somebody started their journey on search um, mm. and then they've gone into one of your you know programmatic um, publishing space like a blog or whatever, um, and then maybe went on to social. How do you actually look at attribution? Yeah, so that that's more of a, an agency function, um, but it, it is quite a necessary part of the, the equation, um, even for a publisher to know where they're fitting in. Um, so the best way to do something like that is to have um, really good data points coming in uh, to the technologies that you're using. Uh, to consolidate as much of your tracking as possible. So that that's actually a good reason to use um, a programmatic platform like a DSP uh, to consolidate your media and also to consolidate all of the um, the journey tracking. So you tag up every uh, attributable point of that customer journey and, and tie it back to a single report within one single platform. And then uh, with your private deals, you can basically uh, use these 
uh, different uh, stages of the journey or stages of the funnel as different audiences um, from the buy side to overlay on top of a deal. Okay, so you're saying that is the role of the media agency to actually look at uh, attribution. Yeah, so attribution is something that we sit with both the agency and the brand. Uh, so the brand needs to provide the, the obviously the tracking of, of certain points that might not be through paid media. But then the media agency would be involved with tagging up all the tracking points when it comes to the paid media. In terms of measurement, what analytical tools do you guys have? Um, so we use uh, Google Ad Manager from the publisher side, uh, but there's a lot of um, other good tools out there. There's, um, you know, like uh, this campaign manager, you'd use something like DV360, you could use uh, Google Analytics or other analytics tools. Um, you can use Moats to, to track different uh, verification factors and things like that. So a lot of different tools that are at play um, on, on both sides. Um, so I think from that perspective, you're able to measure things uh, depending on obviously what matters to you for that campaign or for that analysis, you'd be able to pull different data from different data points. And uh, I, I still want to talk about measurement. Um, mm -hmm. Does the media agency give you almost like a, a pre-KPI before you go into these deals? Yeah, so a lot of the times uh, we actually we insist on, on KPIs because that's obviously the most important thing. You've got to know uh, what success looks like and what you're chasing. And I think that's one of the big challenges is there's often a disconnect between the brand and the, the you know the planners and then eventually the traders. Uh, by the time it gets to the publisher, the KPI has become so like you know broken telephone that that no one's really sure exactly what the KPI is. So that does happen a lot. Um, so I think the campaigns that are very successful are ones where there is a very clear KPI and saying this is exactly what we're chasing. This is the number you're trying to reach, or this is the ballpark we're trying to be in. Um, and then you know how do you structure the deals to to best fit that KPI? Because if you're chasing the wrong thing, you end up just you know wasting media budget. No, for sure. I often found that, and you and you mentioned that is if you discuss with the publisher your KPIs of the campaign up front, and very often that doesn't come from the media; it comes directly from brand. Exactly. Yes. So I think that's where the brands actually play play a really key role, is they need to guide um, all the different players in what we're actually trying to achieve, um, and then it makes it much easier for the media agency and the strategist to do their job better, and eventually then uh, to come back to the publisher to actually get the right inventory or to, you know, find the right customer in that journey. Okay, cool. Um, Ryan, thanks for that. But um, I, I wanted to ask you, so if you have to look um, two or three years down the line, how is programmatic going to evolve and change? Um, so I think uh, programmatic has obviously gone through a lot of evolution, but there's definitely more um, coming. So we've seen obviously now a shift from just display banners to um, you know, audio and video and, and things like digital out of home. Um, you know, you've got very niche, you can even access like podcasts and things like that. So it's going to become very much uh, an automated, um, but more collaborative and, and overlapping with where traditional used to play a role. So you're going to have a much more full funnel kind of approach uh, rather than just, you know, bottom of the funnel, which is, you know, more the conversion side. So it's a lot more about building awareness, consideration, and, and you know, really driving purchase intent with, with various different digital mediums. So I think that's where programmatic is going to become more prominent is, is in all stages of that funnel. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen the the increase in audio placements recently as well due to COVID. Mm. Definitely, yeah. It's something that's growing. Um, you know, a lot of publishers are looking into this now. I know uh, Google Ad Manager, for example, just recently deployed uh, the ability to, you know, tag up your, your audio placements and podcasts and, and streams and things like that. Uh, so it is definitely something that's top of mind uh, for a lot of publishers at the moment. And I think a lot of buyers are also starting to see the benefits of, you know, targeting these, these really niche uh, audio streams as well, because there's very high interest in that. If you had to pick out your biggest competition in terms of channels, who would you say it is? Um, probably Facebook, to be honest. Really? Just in terms Why? of scale and everything. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's it comes down to scale, really. I think they are pretty much the only players who have the kind of um, walled garden and data infrastructure to, to really provide super, super niche uh, targeting at, at, a, at a huge, huge scale. But then again, that's at the uh, the detriment of quality again, because you don't know what type of content the brand is going to be shown next to because it's people, you know, pretty much posting their opinions. Yeah, I mean, but then if you look at Facebook, we're looking at uh, people-based data, mm. which is quite a powerful yeah, so the, tool. I mean, I was researching is, yes. yesterday, there's 90 different data sources that one can choose from if in, in different variation and experimentation of how you would mm. do contextual targeting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of different options that you can explore. And I think it, it makes the, the media traders job quite difficult in, in trying to figure out where to actually begin and, and how to optimize and start. And that's why I think things like AI might come in, in more handy using like machine learning um, to, to inform that type of uh, optimizations. So you being a specialist programmatic, um, you know, resource to Media24, what would you say uh, would be the nuanced skill set that a programmatic specialist needs to have compared to um, even so three years ago? Yeah, so it, it's it's definitely changed. I think a few years ago, if you were um, a media buyer or, or let's say a performance marketing specialist, you could slot quite in, like, like slot in quite easily with um, programmatic um, as a whole. But nowadays, I think there's much of a, a broader understanding that's needed. Uh, there's much more strategy involved. There's much more um, understanding of data that needs to happen, uh, understanding of the broader ecosystem and all the different players. Um, so, so everything is, is really expanding and becoming so much more sophisticated that you need to understand every different facet of it to, to really be a specialist and, and you know, understand and inform how best to use these tools. So how do you keep your skills relevant? Um, I would say just keep reading up. Um, obviously, just you know, keep reading on, on what's uh, new and what's out there, what um, other you know, publishers or brands have been doing in the industry. Um, how these tools are being sort of pioneered uh, from the tech side. So looking at things like, um, like Google's workshops, for example, they do a lot of uh, stuff like that. Um, connecting on LinkedIn with you know different industry aficionados, trying to you know broaden your skill set, watch a lot of webinars, and of course um, you know deal with as many various different types of agencies as you can in, in your daily work, and and try to just sort of learn and, and pick up as much as you can. Yeah, I think it's important for you to be uh, more open and a lateral thinker instead of just getting bogged down in terms of the tech. 
Yeah, exactly. The tech is evolving all the time. What we know now might be completely different in a few years' time. So it's it's really about understanding the goals of what's actually trying to be achieved, and then what the limitations of the tech or the opportunities of the tech uh, that lay out in front of you. Mm. So Ryan, in closing, what advice would you give to brands who may want to test the waters in terms of PMP deals? Um, so yeah, I think um, it's good to have those conversations with the agencies. Uh, so if you have an agency that's already doing media buying, to find out you know who who are their preferred media partners, uh, where's your ad spend actually going? Are they only running pro- um, programmatic open auction, or are they actually running private deals as well? And sort of see you know what's possible there as well. Um, just to see that you are you know, up to date with, with what's actually being offered in the market. Because so I think a lot of um, agencies are kind of getting stuck in their niche where they do the same thing all the time. And, you know, it, it becomes difficult to, to sort of break those old habits and really be more innovative and, and trying to, you know, find better options that are out there. And the same thing goes for publishers as well, trying to be more um, innovative in what you can offer the brands as well. So I think it's it's good to know from both sides what's actually possible and that involves again collaboration so i think that's the key thing yeah how do our listeners get hold of you if they want to know more about pmp because this conversation that we just had can be quite technical for somebody who's not aware of programmatic at at this level yeah i think it can be a bit overwhelming um so yeah people are welcome to to reach out to me on my linkedin profile uh we could you know uh, i could send them my email address and we can have a conversation uh, from there if, if somebody's more interested in to learning about PMP deals. Thanks. I think that would be helpful to our listeners. Thanks, Ryan, for your time today and we really appreciate it. Thanks, Audrey. Thanks for having me. Thanks, okay. Grace. All right. Take care. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.